On today's episode, we're discussing holiday gatherings. 2020 is posing obstacles for typical holiday gathering, but today I'm talking with two guests whose annual traditions are typically atypical. I'm your host, Michael Heitzler, and this is Occidental Thoughts. Hi, folks, and welcome to another episode of Occidental Thoughts. Uh, most of us are reevaluating our usual holiday gatherings amidst a global pandemic. And while we envision a virtual gathering that somehow smells and tastes and feels like our usual, it occurs to me that some people are used to this. Some folks uh, make sacrifices or concessions during this time of year, and today I have the privilege of talking with two of them. I'm going to welcome to our panel first today, Alex Lawrence. Hi, Alex. Thanks for joining us. How's it going? Thank you so much for having me. Alex is the Executive Director of Trinity's Services and Food for the Homeless, and you can talk a little bit about that. Let us know what that's all about. But also, our audience may know you from Food Network's Chopped uh, from the Thanksgiving Heroes episode, and we'll talk about your champion status there as a chef as well. But uh, Alex, tell me, what is a typical holiday gathering for you and and how does 2020 differ? I think what's so um, cool about the holidays for me is always food. Like I am the person <laughs> who cooks. So it is all about food for me. And yes. um, there's so many food memories that I have that are like wrapped up in holidays. So I will be celebrating um and always celebrate in that way. Like I am the one making the the ham. I love like the uh, turkey, all that stuff. Mm, me too. And you know, I think what's so cool about food and when you sort of have them with holidays is it can become really, really like emotional about it. Like there are people who, for some people, it's not the holidays if they don't have uh, that one dish that their aunt or whoever makes, right? Like you, you of want course. that thing. Um, what is that so, one thing for you? I have to know. Oh, so... That thing for me is mashed potatoes. I just absolutely mashed potatoes. love mashed potatoes. Yes. Yeah. And I put in all the things. I put in like butter, uh, sour cream, like horseradish. I put in truly anything you can. I'm taking notes. Yeah. A absolutely. But for me, you know, I stay in town for Thanksgiving generally. Uh, I'm from California originally. All my family's there. And so I've sort of taken on the tradition of like hosting Thanksgiving. And I've hosted one for about 15 years um, since I've lived here. And I'm not really going to do that this year, you know, like, yeah, this is not happening. That's that. Um, yeah. I was one, one like little sort of weird tradition that my in-laws have is um, my mother-in-law. She makes this one like kind of like, I mean, it's like fine, but it's like this like weird like jello <laughs> dessert thing. Oh, not a jello mold. Not a jello mold. <laughs> but but what's, here's what's beautiful about it. Here's what's beautiful about it. Because truly no one in the family eats it. Like no one eats it. But what's cool is that it was like her mom's favorite. And so oh. while her mom is no longer with us, she kind of like still brings that out every year as like a way to honor her. Oh. And so I think of like food is like a way we can still like kind of celebrate, right? And like still have that that connection to like our food memories, our food families, and still honor like the holidays in that way, but do it in a, and, in a, in a safe way. <laughs> in a safe way. And at least that much won't change in 2020. But, you know, so your, of course, your correlation to the holidays would be your passion for food. But mm -hmm. also talk to me with respect to your position uh, with Trinity's Services and Food for the Homeless. You're, but you are a passionate advocate 
surrounding food, not just at home, not just with your menu for the holidays, but um, for many other people as well. And so what does that mean to you around the holiday season? This month at work has been truly crazy. Since the pandemic started, our numbers for our food pantry have truly gone up so much. The number of people who are out of work, who, um, you know, benefits have expired. The need for like food is just so high right now, especially this time of year around Thanksgiving and around Christmas. We have tried so hard to be able to provide meals for people. When I talk about like my family traditions with food, those memories and those like happy things exist because we had access to food. Mm -hmm. So for us being able to try to provide that at Trinity Services, provide that same experience. Today, I was packing um, with some volunteers a bunch of uh, sweet potatoes and uh, then like a stuffing with like carrots and celery kind of like package to go along with our turkeys because that's what people want. People want yeah. to be able to celebrate right now. And so, did you sneak um, in like a little mashed potato kit with horseradish? And- <laughs> No, there was no, no. mashed potato. There was no mashed potato kit. Well, thank you yeah. for sharing that much with us, Alex. I, I'm I'm just going to pause there for a couple of minutes and pivot to our next guest, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a lot more. So, hang tight. Uh, and I want to welcome Allie Simon to our program. Hi, Allie. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. Allie is a former educator uh, with experience in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors, currently serving as a project manager for the Youth Apprenticeship Readiness Program, uh, which is funded by the Department of Labor here in the United States. Allie is also notably a military spouse, which makes a very unique Occidental perspective, in my opinion. She has five military moves and counting. We'll talk about that momentarily under her belt. And she's a proud mother of two bilingual children and a passionate advocate for all military military connected children. And I can imagine why, because you know the experience. Uh, Hi, Ali. Welcome. I'm excited to be here today. Yes. What is a typical holiday gathering for you? And how is 2020 a little different? So I would like to say that there is no such thing as a typical holiday gathering when you're a military family. We've spent our holidays away from family for many years, um, and we we do get to visit family. We tend to be pulled in about 20 different directions, um, but I think that really helps with adapting to the current situation. And so my family is really used to sometimes celebrating holidays without my husband, who's on active duty in the Navy. For the three years when we lived in Italy, he was traveling during all of the Jewish high holidays. And it was hard to explain to our young child, and then we had a second child, um, <laughs> what that was like. But I'd say that it also has made us really um, adaptable to our circumstances. And with looking at the current year, I would say that we've spent pretty much every holiday as a family of four, which actually is a nice change to have my husband home. Um, But it also presents its challenges. Um, For example, this year, my father turned 80 and I had been planning on having uh, a big like surprise birthday party for him here in D.C. because one of my other sisters lives pretty close by and we had to pivot and we did what everyone is doing, which is an Mm. online Zoom celebration. Um, And I know that birthdays, maybe people don't equate birthdays with holidays, but I totally do. So um, it was a really lovely way to celebrate. And actually, I would say that most of the family members uh, would have maybe found some challenges in coming to D.C. if they lived in different parts of the U.S. But almost everybody that we invited, with the exception of um, one or two people, were able to attend. And it was really fun. So 
I would definitely encourage folks to think outside of the box this holiday season. And I know that I certainly have spent years doing that and right. trying to make um, make my holidays really special with my family whenever I'm able to. Whenever we can see our family, we really embrace that time. In past, in your experiences, let's say you're living abroad and your family is stateside or what have you, thousands of miles away, uh, did you use those same tactics then that you're you're sort of relying upon now? Or is 2020 just totally new and different even for you? <laughs> I think 2020 is totally different even for me. I, I like to say that I can make fast friends. So I've mm. had um, several Friendsgivings um, before this year. And truthfully, I was even considering that this year. And my friend, another family, we decided that it's just not the right choice for us to do that. And so I'll just be celebrating with my family of four because um, we felt like that was the decision that we felt most comfortable with. But I, I usually have been able to quick try to quickly meet new people. Um, one story that comes to mind is my daughter's first birthday. We had just moved um, to a new city and I had met a new mom, exchanged phone numbers, and I asked her if she wanted to get together with cupcakes with my one-year-old and three-and-a-half-year-old because I didn't know anybody else and my husband right. was gone. And right. I just didn't seem right to spend that time alone. <laughs> um, so like, I'm very creative and I come up with lots of solutions and this has definitely been one of the toughest struggles, even for me. This year, you're going to have a, a welcome gathering with, with all four in the family. And then what happens between Thanksgiving and the other holidays in your family? So two days after Thanksgiving, we are moving to New Orleans for my husband's <laughs> next duty station. So literally two <laughs> days after Thanksgiving. And, you know, listening to Alex talk, food is such an important part of Thanksgiving. And so I wasn't really sure how Thanksgiving was going to go. But truthfully, I mean, the idea of preparing a full Thanksgiving meal for four people who are not even going to be able to enjoy the leftovers for more than like, <laughs> you know, 36 hours. Sure. Um, I had to look at alternatives this year and um, I'm not ashamed to say it, but you know, folks like enjoy maybe ordering a meal from somewhere, supporting a local business, um, su supporting a local grocery store. That's, that's what we decided to do. And so we're, I'm not going to cook any, uh, well, maybe I'll cook one or two things, but I'm not going to cook oh, most of Thanksgiving. Treat and yourself. So, you do have a move just a couple of days later. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but that, no, but I love that, that sentiment as well, Ali, support, support local. And that's going to tie back into something that Alex is passionate about too, in terms of locality of food. Hi, Alex. Join us again. Hey. Talk to us about local food and what you see at, at your work. In our soup kitchen, um, and in our food pantry, we've tried really hard to make a pivot to supporting local farmers. And especially this last year, um, through a grant that we received through the New York uh, State Department of Health, we've been able to make a lot of new connections with various dairy farmers and various produce farmers to bring local food into communities. Um, and that's sort of like one sourcing aspect of it, right? Like where where we would get food mm -hmm. from. Um, another sort of piece to it is like when you are shopping for your food and where you get it from, that sort of like last mile that the food has to travel to, to your table. There's a lot of, uh, you know, they call them like food deserts or food like. Yes, um, yes, I've heard that. In communities where there's not truly access to a lot of fresh produce or a lot of uh, fresh meat. Things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go mm -hmm. to the bodega or the corner store, 
and it's like canned tuna and like a couple like limes. Like that's not, that's not nutritious. <laughs> so part of our work involves like advocacy around that and trying to get people to, um, have access to to good food and do you create any local gardens to make it more sustainable because i just i feel like we're talking about about local produce obviously from farmers but yeah is there a way that communities can band together and also create that opportunity for them is that anything you're involved in there's community gardens in the east village where we're located mm-hmm. and a lot of them have uh gardens in them that grow that grow produce and so we've partnered with them to help provide um composting that we do you know, giving our food scraps to them to create compost. They also will give us the produce that they grow. So it's like truly hyper local in that it's like six blocks away. These like vegetables are coming to us and we're either giving them in our pantry or using them in in our food to cook. Um, We've also partnered with uh, um, Lower East Side Girls Club. They've started like a mushroom growing uh, program where they they grow a bunch of mushrooms and then we put them in our food. And it's really cool. Wow. Hey, Allie, when you uh, have lived abroad, did you find sourcing food for the holidays a a differing experience? So sometimes we struggled. We lived abroad in Italy for almost three years in Naples, Italy. And so it's a lot different there in the sense that they only really have what's in season generally. So it may be that you're looking for something in the American grocery stores that were getting, you know, strawberries year round but it tends to be very seasonal there. Um, but mm. truthfully, we never really had an issue with finding local produce. And it was actually a lot more reasonable than, than the US, which was really nice for those couple of years. Finding quality, organic fruits mm-hmm. and vegetables can be quite costly. Um, so it was really nice to have that experience. You have had to find community, as you expressed, uh, when you're elsewhere. And then Alex, I'm curious, I mean, obviously you have family and you have a family gathering of typical nature, if we're going to call it that. But let's say for a typical Thanksgiving or Christmas meal, um, what do the faces look like at Trinity's services? I think I'm always surprised at the people who come through our soup kitchen, especially around the holidays. How so? Um, Because, so there is definitely like the person I think that everyone can kind of picture in their head, right? The person who may or may not be living on the street who, you know, may or may not have access to like uh, personal hygiene, like that that sort of like street person. Um, but the reality is, is that a lot of the people who come through are working poor, who have some kind of home, who have some kind of job, who are sort of put together. Um, and it truly reaches across all sort of like um, ages and genders. We have there's like a group of like sort of like 20 something kids that come through and Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing because they're in every other respect. I would, I would never think that they were someone who would be food insecure, but the reality is they are, you know, and and I don't know their exact story. Being able to provide food is just the thing that like gets someone through to the next, the next paycheck. Yeah. Does it form a sense of community among those folks? I mean, I know everyone's coming through with a need, right? So they're yeah. they're there on a holiday with a particular need. But do you find that among that, it forms a sense of community with those who are having to share it? Absolutely. People are happy. People People want to share a meal with other people. When they sit down together, you know, strangers, like Ali was talking about fast friends. I feel like these people, as they're breaking bread, they become fast friends with each other. And 
the conversations that happen over tables is always so fascinating because it's strangers, usually from completely different walks of life, having having a good time together and eating. That that aspect will be missing this year from our soup kitchen because we, we, what we are don't you have indoor dining. Yeah, what are you doing? Dining. So it's all to go. So it'll just be boxed up and um, and passed out and people will eat. And you have volunteers that are preparing all of this? Uh, yeah, we have we have a staff and, and volunteers who will be doing it all. And so, you know, that that sort of immediate sense of community that happens around the table won't be there this year. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't exactly know what that means or what it'll look like. I'm sure people will still be happy and there'll still be like an element of celebration. Regardless, we'll all find ways to show our gratitude to each other, even if it's through a screen or through Absolutely. a wave and a handoff of a bag. How many meals are you providing this year? Probably around 300. Truly, there are so many people who come through who are so happy and so thankful for it. It really is a pleasure to to work there. Well, we're grateful to you, and I'm sure so are all of the recipients. I just really appreciate, Alex, what you and your organization are doing because it's really not that commonly known, but food insecurity, it's actually more common than you would think in military families. There's a wonderful organization called Blue Star Families, and they do surveys every year. And between, you know, like around 7% of military respondents um, and 12% of veterans in 2018, they said that they faced food insecurity. And many of those families visited, they sought emergency food assistance through like a food bank or a food pantry. And so it really affects military families too, but even more so my own family, when I was an adult, my mother was in a more difficult financial situation. And I know like it was really hard for me as a college student, but I saw her having to go to some of these food assistance places in in many cases, even around the holidays where she was one of those people that you described, like dressed really nice, you know, just trying to have a nice um, holiday. And so I think about my military um, spouses that I'm friends with and the people that I know. I mean, we're very fortunate that we are we haven't had that issue, but I know that it affects our community. And I just um, I just want to thank you for the work that you do. I'm so happy that you bring that up. I, I think that's a perfect example of the situation where these people, these military families, they have jobs, they have housing. They're not like some unemployed loafer, right? It's just that the situation that they're in for whatever reason, it's not sustainable for them. And so they need something to help them get to the next point. Like these are fine, upstanding, honorable people who just need that extra help. Yeah. And I, you know, there's a lot of issues that tie into that, but for sure it's, you know, with the relocations. And then if you depend Mm -hmm. on a two income household, your spouse may not be able to get a job right away because you're moving every, you know, 18 months to 36 months. So these are regular people that need help. So thank you so much for the work that you do. and, And thank you for bringing us together today, Michael. It is my pleasure. And I want to say thank you to both of you for both of your services and sacrifices and for sharing your stories with us. We are, I'm going to borrow Allie's phrase again, we are and have become fast friends. We're going to discuss a little bit more in Occidental Afterthoughts, including but not limited to, I want to know what you made on Food Network's Chopped, Alex, so you're not off the hook yet. And Allie, I want to hear about your favorite holiday recipe. Thanks, everybody, for joining us again for another episode of Occidental Thoughts. 